All right, guys, welcome back into another PGA DFS video. My name is Eric Paulzine. Going to begin to the Charles Schwab Challenge. If I say it, it's the Charles Shaw Challenge on accident. I apologize. That is a wine drinking challenge that we have done in the past on this video. Pretty much you're just trying to chug a bottle of uh, Charles Shaw as fast as you can. Might bring that back this weekend. We'll see. But really, this video is going to be focused on getting into the picks for this week. So what I'm going to do in this video is what I always do. I'm going to highlight the top four picks in each price burn range. I like the core plays as they come in. And I'll show you guys kind of a build you can use by using those core plays. So we'll get into uh, last week's recap and then a little bit of the preview, course preview, and then we'll get into the picks. So, man, the PGA Championship was a tale of two halves. I mean, really, it was probably the worst week I've had giving content um, video like this video over the last, well, ever. In the four and a half years, going on five years that I've done it, probably the worst content I've given on Monday. And then flip it to Wednesday, I gave GPP winning advice for round one showdown. It was really just a strange week. But obviously, most of last week came down to AM, PM, tee time advantage. And that's why in round one and round two shutdown, it was very good. But that's also why a lot of the players from this video struggled last week. And honestly, a lot of the guys that struggled were cash cows for us this whole season. So I'm not really too worried about it. We're going to write that week off after, you know, three months straight of having a good week. But looking at the Charles Schwab Challenge, we have seen this course a ton. Okay, it's the longest active running uh, tournament that's had the same course uh, on the PGA Tour. It's the same course designer that we had last week as well. Uh, Perry Maxwell, it's also John Remdes. I butcher that. I apologize. It's a part 70 course. Length is going to be normal size there. We've got bent greens as well. Uh, based off of kind of what we've seen in the past at this tournament, we know exactly how it's going to play. It is an accuracy type course. Ball striking does matter, but we're going to be looking at good drive percentage and greens and regulation. Really just accuracy matters with that. Golfers that are hitting the ball accurate are not going to make as many mistakes, but we are going to be looking at birdie to bogey ratio once again this week. And then obviously ball striking is going to be a key stat that we're going to be focusing on this week as well. Looking at, we can kind of get a feel for this week. The top stat fits are going to be Justin Thomas, Daniel Berger, Victor Hovland, Son J.M., Jordan Speed, Sky Scheffler, Max Homa, Tommy Fleetwood, HV3, and then Billy Horschel. We can get a feel for recent form as well. All big names that we would kind of expect. Sebastian Munoz popping up there, fifth in the field in recent form rank over the past 10 weeks. That is really good. Obviously, he's been on a cut streak. These are going to be the players I'm going to be highlighting this week in this video. Um, high tier, mid tier, low tier, and value tier. Let's get into the picks right now. All right, so starting off, we are going to be starting off with Victor Hovland. Okay, Victor Hovland was a guy that I really thought was going to have a good week last week, and that was kind of the theme last week is that none of the studs really came out that had that AMP time, AMP MT time. Really, Xander and Rory were like the best finishers. Uh, besides that, it was kind of sad how many of the top top end players in quotes struggled. Victor Hovland, you know, whatever he he didn't play poorly, he didn't play well. T forty one finish, okay, whatever. Uh, prior to that, T27, T33, he just hasn't been playing as good enough golf as you know any of us would really want from him. That's kind of the problem with Victor Hovland. He did have a 23rd place finish here in 2020, and I should mention that as well, guys. This tournament in 2020 was the first week back that we had uh, from the COVID break. It was like a three-month absence there. It was really kind of changed the whole, I guess, dynamic of really fantasy golf, the fantasy golf industry really since then. There's been a lot more people putting out content. There's been a lot more focus on golf in general. People really figured out that golf in general is an awesome sport, and fantasy golf is maybe the best sport in terms of fantasy golf. I mean, it is a fun tournament, okay? And that that's kind of the nature of the beast there, and that's kind of why I enjoy it. So looking at, though, Victor Hovland, 10th in accuracy, okay? That is pretty strong, 10th in accuracy in the field. 
Really strong in effective scoring. That's a 9-5 only stat that I always talk about. Pretty good in ball striking as well. Obviously, he's a strong player. Eight straight made cuts in a row. Ranks out second best in the 9-5 model this week. And then for those of you guys wondering, Justin Thomas does rank out as the best pick in the 9-5 model this week. It's just whether or not you feel like he's going to respond after that dramatic victory. Heck, by the time I come out with this video, he might have withdrawn from this event already. And honestly, to me, uh, someone like Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth makes a lot of sense to me as a core play. He is just a stud when it comes to to Texas-based courses, okay? Uh, he ranks out as a top 10 specialist, which is spectacular. Uh, look at his last three starts here, second, 10th, eighth, and then prior to that, 32nd. So even when he sucked in like 2020 and 2019, still had top 10 finishes here, okay? Pretty good in accuracy there, 17th, which really surprised me. Pretty good in strokes and approach, which really surprised me. Uh, 34th place finish last week, which, you know, it is what it is. Second the week before that, first the week before that, uh, miscut the week before that. And then, you know, have been playing pretty well. But we can see win or second place finish at ATT Byron Nelson, um, T35 at the Valero Texas Open. He just responds better on these Texas-based courses, and that's why I really like him as a pick as well. Um, after that, we're going to dip down into Colin Morikawa. Now, I don't feel as confident about Colin Morikawa. I do like Willie Z and some of the other names here. My process here is just telling you guys, you know, which golfers here are – you know, the best plays at the given price point, which ones are more likely to succeed. So with Colin Morikawa, uh, someone actually tweeted this at me saying, oh, in events where Colin Morikawa has had three weeks off, they've actually been like his worst starts in that like period of golf, which was kind of interesting to me. Uh, still was able to finish, you know, 55th, made the cut. You know, that's fine. Prior to that, though, it does worry me. 57th place finish and then had a 22nd or 26th place finish, 5th place finish you know that's okay six straight make cuts in a row what i do really like is that he is kind of the prototypical strong golfer at this course um 14th place finish second place finish really accurate a golfer that's not going to make that many mistakes he should play well okay maybe last week was kind of a get your feet wet type of event i don't really get the preparation for him but this could be an event where you know we might just be kicking ourselves by not playing victor hovland this week so he's another strong name Yes, he's priced up a little bit, and that's kind of the worry. And then Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger was really just – he's been annoying this year, really. just That's the best way to um, describe it to you guys. So really just sucked last week at the PGA Championship, but that's kind of been Daniel Berger. I mentioned this in last week's video is that he's been just a little bit too hit or miss for me uh, to really trust him, but still ranks out as a top-five stat fit. Uh, you know, recent form rank 13th, which isn't great, but – you know, over the past year, he's had 17 starts, two missed cuts now, um, 20, 10 top 25 finishes and five top 10 finishes. So, I mean, that's really strong. He was the winner at this event in 2020, um, made three straight cuts at this tournament as well. You know, overall, just a strong play, um, a guy that you could get at a discount, but he's a GPP only play. Don't be playing him in cash, too risky. He's been too hit or miss, uh, but he is an accurate golfer, really strong ball striking, really strong strokes and approach. Just needs to cut back on the mistakes a little bit. And, um, yeah, he's just been someone that's just struggling in, in majors as well. You know, 50th place finish at the masters, you know, maybe that's why he's struggling. That could very much be the case with Daniel Berger. And that's kind of why I don't mind, uh, just like not playing him this week. So after that, you know, I do like Jordan Spieth. We can put him into the build for now. From there, we're going to go down to someone like Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood's a name that you guys have been hearing me say a lot. And I am not a Tommy Fleetwood guy. I don't love Tommy Fleetwood as a player. He just keeps standing out. He keeps being like kind of mispriced. So Marisol is the third best specialist in the field. Once again, that specialist rating is going to be looking over like all the key characteristics for that week's tournament. You know, individually, the stats don't really matter too much. But when you collectively bring them together, 
for a data point. That's when it starts to add up a little bit. So the specialist rating was looking at course designer, weather, uh, playing difficulty, uh, what par is it, um, any unique characteristics for that week's tournament. Like this tournament is in Texas, you know, we can look at that. That's all going into the specialist rating. So he ranks third in the field. He's the 11th best specialist or staff in the field. Really not showing any weaknesses in this game. No real strengths, though, as well. So a guy that maybe the ceiling is uh, limited a little bit. Uh, but we saw him play well on the Perry Maxwell course last week, finishing fifth. Had a really strong Sunday there. Uh, two straight made cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. Did miss a cut at the Zero Classic with Sergio Garcia. But prior to that, at a 10th, 14th, 16th place finish, I mean, he was playing some really strong golf. So overall ranks out top 10 in recent form rank. He's a guy that I'm going to be going out of my way to play this week. Um, he's a top five pick in the nine to five model as well. So we're getting a really strong play at a cheap discounted price point. I, I just can't avoid that. And so we're going to have to decide what we want to do with Mito Pereira. Okay. So Mito finished third, 17th, miscut 26. Okay. He had, and then I guess if you don't include the zero classic and stuff like that, you know, basically been rattling off top 30 finishes. Uh, the thing about Mito is that he has been a strong first round leader, but uh, really for a while, just strong first round leader scoring. So if he does have a potential like AMT time, which are typically the better of the T times, I could see potentially using him for a first round leader. It's just, where is he at mentally? I feel like, you know, on Sunday, he was in good kind of graces after his loss. Um, you know, he, he, he made the right choice and I think he can live with that. He kind of had to go driver off the tee because he knew he had to make par. Par was going to win him the tournament, and he was playing to win. I am perfectly fine with that, and I think he like mentally, he's kind of going to be fine with that. I feel like he, I, I hate to say this, but like it, I never expected him to win, even like really up until that tee shot. Um, and I, I don't want to say he knew he was playing with house money, but at the same time, it seemed like he was happy to be there. I guess in that moment, um, obviously he wants to win and whatnot, but my. This is my long way of saying I could see him having a good week here as well. Um, you know, six best specialists in the field, obviously really strong recent form has played well in Texas. You can see two top 20 finishes in Texas recently. Um, you know, top 20 staff hit top 20 in recent form rank overall top 10 play this week in the nine to five miles. So just a strong play. Uh, it's just whether or not you believe in him mentally. And that might keep me from making him like a cash or core, or even high exposure play. Uh, just someone I'm going to be filling in with in GPPs. Um, and hopes for that upside. He is also going to be someone I'm targeting in showdowns. Okay. And you guys might be wondering um, how it was a profitable week on that first slide with the recap of last week. It's a profitable week because really strong round one showdown, really strong round two showdown, and really strong betting wise. It was just the main slate kind of really, I don't want to say sucked, but my approach is I really go heavy on one main lineup. Um, which really does well. It kind of creates a nice floor for you throughout the season uh, because it's much easier to cash and cash contest. Um, you know, cash 10 out of the last 12 weeks. It was the fact that, you know, this was just an off week, but the round two, round one carried and the betting picks carried. And what I mean by betting picks is uh, the round or the three ball in round one, which is, I've been highlighting that a lot recently, really strong there. So something to pay attention to, Okay. And that's my way of saying Mito has been a guy that's just been really strong in round one. Uh, so he's been a really strong player for that. Um, so it won't be shocking to see him um, at the leaderboard again, um, at least for round one. After that, I do really like a play like Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel, guys, I couldn't believe he wasn't chalk, okay? And maybe it was the weather advantage. 
he did end up sucking, so it didn't hurt anyone. Um, and that was kind of where like the cash cows that we've been on, the horses that we've been dominating with, um, like Billy Horschel, kind of let us down last week. Patrick Canley, Sky Scheffler, you know that's just going to happen. It just kind of came together all in one week. Like I don't regret the players that we're on because all in all, I do think it was a correct decision. You can, you can kind of see that by the players in the AMT time that ended up doing well. It's just one of those crazy off weeks. So someone like Billy Horschel, who like I just I don't get why he was in trial last week. It could have been the PMT time. It really could have been that, and you know that would make sense. Um, I saw Alex Norin was. You know, he is okay play compared to Billy Horschel, a little bit worse play. Um, double the ownership. And that was just kind of strange to me. He should have been chalk. And that ju- that was just weird. And I know that probably sounds weird to you guys saying when he sucked last week, finishing 68th, but he did make the cut. You know, he's made, he's, he's got the second longest active cut streak going now. Okay. He's finished well at this tournament now. 40th, 38th, 19th, you know, three straight make cuts here at this tournament. Really accurate golfer. Hasn't been making that many mistakes. He's been someone that's been right around the corner of, you know, having a win. And it really wouldn't shock me if he has a win here. So let's just look at his past starts. 68th place finish at the PGA Championship. He made the cut. You know, whatever. He found a way to make the cut. Sucked in round one. Was able to shoot under par in round two. Make the cut. And then he also shot under par in round four as well. Just had two bad rounds. Um, We can see that highlighted here as well. Um, After that, though, third place finish. At the Zurich, 21st place finish at the RBC Heritage, 43rd place finish at the Masters of the Tournament he hasn't really played well at, missed the cut at the players while well, he had a withdrawal. Okay, he had a withdrawal there. Um, and then second, 16th, 6th, 11th. I mean, just really strong reason for him from Billy Horschel. So at 8.5, it's just, man, if he if he burns us, I'm fine with it because we know it's the correct move. I mean, just checking all the boxes this week. Strong staff hit, strong specialist, strong recent form, strong course, strong enough course history, like, it's just the correct play at 8.5. Not sure if he was 9.5. I'd maybe think about it. Probably wouldn't make him a core play, but at this price point, it's just you can't really pass up on it. Okay, and then we're going to go with Jason Kolkrak. And the worry for me with Jason Kolkrak is he's the defending champ. Okay, that's the worry. He finished first, third, and 32nd course history-wise here. <laughs> worry about that. Eighth in accuracy. Recent form is, is good enough. Um, five straight make cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. Uh, finishing 60th, 17th, 35th, uh, 14th. Uh, you know, just decent there from him. Nothing too great. Course history is good. Recent form is good enough. Top 12 in the field. Top 15 specialist. Top 25 stat rank. Just at this price point, um, you know, it does seem like a, a quality play. It does rank out top 10 in the 9 to 5 model this week. Not someone I'm crazy about, just given the fact that, you know, the upside has, I guess, been a little bit limited. Um, and like his, his wins or his big events have kind of just come at random times, like miscut T54 victory. And maybe that's where we're getting here. T60. And then he's going to get the victory again, the back-to-back victory once again, this season, that'd be kind of crazy from Jason Kolkrak. I don't really expect that, but you know, decent play at his price point. So, so far we got Jordan Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood and Billy Horschel as core plays. Let's try to find another one here. Um, there's one that's standing out to me. That's kind of Harold Varner. Okay. So. I do think something clicked at him when he won that um, that European whatever event uh, like three months ago now. Because since then, 48th, 7th, 3rd, 23rd, seven straight make cuts in a row. I mean, just been playing some solid golf. Um, at this tournament, he's finished 32nd and 19th, which is you know pretty good stuff there from him. Top 20 specialist, top 12 staff at top 20 in-course history rank, uh, top 12 
top 12 in recent form rank, top 10 in the 95 mile just at 7.8. Yeah, I'm just going to roll with Harold Varner. He is one of those golfers, though, that when you do trust them, that, that's when they hurt you the most. And that's kind of my worry with him as a pick is that whenever I trust him, he hurts me. That's kind of the same thing with Brian Harmon here. And Brian Harmon was getting a little bit of shit for his post or for his closing hole on 18 in round two when he was chipping off the green to try and make the cut. He had to make a par to make the cut. And people were giving him shit because he had to reload his shot like or his practice routine like three times. One, it's a pressure situation. I mean, that's like a $60,000 chip right there, if not more. Also, there were some a lot of drunk fans at the end of round two. Kind of, I don't want to say obnoxious, but clearly they were, I don't want to say clearly they were cheering against Brian Harmon, but they were just being loud to the point where he did have to reset three times. So I kind of felt bad. I would have felt really bad for him if he missed the cut because of those people. Uh, but he, he didn't. He made the cut and finished 34th. I mean, that's a really strong weekend there from Brian Harmon. Um, and Brian Harmon's a guy, I really don't mind him as an outright bet, just given his course history, 8th, 23rd, 31st, and 14th. I mean, those are pretty strong starts here. So four straight years of top 32 or better finishes here. That is really good. Three straight make cuts in a row now. He's been some of that, you know, when he has been on, he's been right around that leaderboard. So on the season, he has three top 10 finishes, and one of them was coming recently at the Wells Fargo Championship, and another one is coming um, you know, five events ago at the Valspar Championship. You know, that's pretty good there from Brian Harmon. Overall, more of a shoulder shrug play, you know, a 7.8. If you end up on him, you do, and you probably feel decent about it. Overall, not a bad pick. Uh, top 20 pick in the 95 mile this week. Uh, H- HV3, I like a little bit more, but Brian Harmon, if you can fit him into your build, sure. Two guys that I, I have trouble trusting. Okay, that's kind of the worry with them. Now we're going to go down a little bit lower here. So Sebastian Munoz. Sebastian Munoz has just been playing some quality golf. He is in the fifth best recent form, like I mentioned, in the field. So we can see why. I mean, uh, 55th place finish last week, I guess, you know, that'd be the worry. But I, I, that's what we wanted from him, okay? He was the top-rated value play for 9-5's player pool um, come the player pool. Uh, just nice to see him make the cut, okay? Third before that, 29th before that, 33rd before that, basically all top, like, around top 25 finishes, Okay. So really strong recent form, nine straight make cuts in a row. You know, overall, not the best half fit. That's the worry. Um, course history-wise, a third-place finish last year and then a miscut the year before that. Now, take the 2020 results with a, a grain of salt, if you will, because, you know, that event was the first event back on the PGA Tour after the COVID absence. It was like three months off. And what's the problem with early season PGA DFS early in the season? It's that a lot of these golfers, you don't know how much they've golfed. There's a lot more variance early on in the season. And maybe, maybe that's why he missed the cut. I'm not saying that is why he missed the cut, but that very well could be the reason why he missed the cut, whatever. I can see writing that off, but overall just, you know, a quality pick. He's someone that we played a lot. Someone that, you know, has been playing quality golf. I just don't mind him as a pick at at his current price point. Then the next play is going to be Chris Kirk. So Chris Kirk, Okay, course history, 69th, 68th, and 11th place finish over the last four years. Really accurate golfer, uh, a golfer that hasn't been making that many mistakes. Um, you know, recent form rank, 25th, uh, course history rank, 29th. You know, that's okay. Stat rank, though, top 20 stat rank, top 20 pick in the 9 to 5 mile. Decent play at 7.9, just not someone I'm going crazy with. Now, there are other names in this pricing tier that I do like. Uh, Justin Rose, I can see doing well. Kevin Nye, I can see doing well. Um, you know, CT Pan, the Witcher Hall from CT Pan, I can see him doing well. I'll probably place not right bet on my boy Troy Merritt. Uh, he's someone I kind of just always roll with. Uh, 
betting-wise. It seems like he's going to have a victory this season to me. Uh, so I can see rolling with that. But we're going to get into the value tier here. <clears throat> I'm going to cheat a little bit with one of them. Where is he? Hmm. Typing it. <clears throat> so David Lipsky at this price point, I don't mind 7K. Yes, he's not technically in the value tier. Whatever. Okay, we're taking it. We can see, though, kind of strong recent form-ish. Strong recent form-ish, if you will. 25th, missed cut. T6, missed cut. T7, and then he rattled off a bunch of made cuts in a row. That's really what I'm hanging my hat on. It's kind of the Davis-Riley play of last week where, you know, he had just... I mean, speaking of Davis-Riley, guys, Davis-Riley. <laughs> I mean, this guy has been insane. Is Davis-Riley, just real quick. 13th, 9th. Fifth, seventh, uh, playing quality golf. I could see him winning this week as well, but not someone that popped up top four in his pricing tier. But David Lipsky is kind of the same thought process where we're just trying to capture that upside, not a cash play, <clears throat> a GPP only play, someone that we're okay with as a play at 7K, not someone I'm crazy with. A play that I actually do like is going to be Lucas Glover. So Lucas Glover, you know, 13 out of 17 make cuts on the tour this season. You know, overall, he's probably going to be someone that does make the cut this week, and I kind of expect him to. At this tournament, he's finished 8th and 23rd over the last two years. That's pretty good. Uh, he is an accurate golfer. He's a golfer that's not going to make many mistakes. This is kind of just a course that is going to fit his style of game. So we can see, you know, pretty decent recent formish, just more likely than not he's going to make the cut. Overall, he ranks as a top 40 pick in the 9-5 model, so I do kind of expect him to make the cut. And then when we think of accuracy... If you don't think of Richard Bland, well, you probably haven't played uh, too much PGA DFS this season. Richard Bland is a really accurate golfer, okay? So it really wouldn't shock me to see him make the cut this week. Now, kind of struggled, I guess, a little bit recently. The PGA Championship didn't really expect him to make the cut. Um, went back on the DP Tour after playing on the PGA Tour. Like this in and out stuff that he's been doing where, you know, playing – on the world tour, then coming over, playing on the PGA tour, like that starts to add up. And that could be the reason why he's kind of struggled recent play wise. Also, this wasn't a strong course for him. This should be a better course fit for him. I don't love him as a pick, but at 6.6, .6, that's enough to intrigue me. And then going down lower, um, Adam Shank, actually Adam Shank. I don't mind at the bare minimum. Okay. So he's someone that's made three straight make cuts in a row and, you know, played well at the Mexico open, didn't make the cut, but three straight make cuts in a row, like not a terrible play uh, at 6K. Like really all you're trying to do is get a make cut out of someone in this pricing tier. And I could see him doing that. He's made two straight cuts at this tournament, finishing 65th and 43rd. Like that's enough. That's decent enough. Like I don't mind that. I don't love it. It's an okay play. Okay. So with that, you know, I don't really love closing my build out like this, especially, but we could do it. Uh, was Glover good enough? Could we fit Glover in here? Boom, we can. It's really not a bad build. I'll show you guys here what that build looks like um, using the 9 to 5 lineup tool, and then we'll be getting out of here. So give me a second. I'll pull that up here. All right, 
So we got it pulled up here. So we're just going to enter those golfers into the player pool here. So Jordan, Tommy Fleetwood, Daniel or Billy Horschel. Uh, Gary Woodland's another interesting one. Like I could see putting an outright bet on him as well. We'll see. I, I don't know if I'm going to do that just yet, but he, he's a decent play. Oh, there's Brian Harmon. And then Lucas Glover to close it out here. You know, pretty good, um, pretty good selection here for that, that, uh, that lineup. So projected ownership, we don't worry about on Monday. That's not going to be accurate. But top 10 in course history tonight, that's pretty strong as an average. Uh, top 20 recent form rate, that's okay. Overall, 15th average rank, that's pretty good. 72% chance to get six or six across the cut line. Pretty strong build here. Obviously, the worries are going to be Tommy Fleetwood. Just honestly, a lot of these golfers, it's they're kind of pushing their limit of playing really strong golf. Um, they could be due for a random miscut like Patrick Cantlay. Uh, like Scotty Scheffler, I guess, is, is kind of the best way to describe it. But I do really expect Jordan Spieth to have a strong week. I think he makes for a great outright bet. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, we'll see. I don't know if I'm going to have him as an outright bet, but I do expect him to make the cut. Uh, HV3 probably will have him as an outright bet. I, I really like him. And then Billy Horschel as well. Pretty strong. And then Brian Harmon, just good enough play um, at his current price point. But that's all I have for you guys this, this week. If you guys want that uh, Tuesday video that I came out with in the PM, which it was going over ownership leverage, uh, the betting picks and showdown picks. Again, let me know in the comment section. I know a lot of people don't stay for the end of the video, but if you do, let me know because I, I can easily do that. Um, you know, it's a sweet spot right now for round one showdown and round two showdown really for that matter. Uh, the ownership leverage tool has been really spectacular. Even last week where it kind of suggested that you should fade um, like Cameron Young. Well, it did, it did. Cameron Young was over owned. Great to see him come through as a GPP play. Uh, wasn't a cash play. That's kind of the purpose of that. Just a little bit too risky uh, for his ownership last week. Uh, but last week was the first week in which the ownership leverage tool or the ownership, I made a bad chalk build with the ownership leverage tool is what happened. And I've been doing that for the past five weeks. Last week was the first week in which it cashed, which was kind of crazy. Okay. So still pretty decent there. Um, and then the first round leader bets. I mean, it's been pretty accurate, that tool, the first round leader tool. Um, Rory was 13th last week, just looking at the AM only tee times. And then a bunch of players were either like, were third best uh, pretty much. And like I said, Mito, he's been there a lot. So we'll see if he comes through. All right, that's all I have for you guys this week. If you enjoyed this video, please give me a like, subscribe. I do appreciate that. And as always, guys, let's keep cashing. All right, that's all I got for you.